Welcome into the extra here on KRDO News Radio. I am your host, Andrew Rogers, uh, continuing our conversations with the uh, mayoral candidates here for uh, Colorado Springs. There's an even dozen of them and kind of working to get as many of these conversations out. Of course, the ballots will be coming out soon. Uh, very pleased to be joined in the studio today by Yemi Mobilade, one of the candidates for mayor of Colorado Springs. Yemi, thank you so much for joining us here on KRDO News Radio. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, the, the first question, kind of the, the easiest first question, I would hope, is who is Yemi? Who is Yemi? Thank you for that um, easy start. Uh, my name is Yemi Mobilade, and I, I love this city. I, um, I, I'm a husband to a badass woman. Her name is Abby, and she's an ICU nurse and nursing educator. Um, I'm a father to three young kids. Nine, five, and three years old, and the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm assuming you're a parent. You also, yeah, I've got uh, two. Uh, How old? Nine months and three. Oh boy! So man. yeah, I'm right okay. there with you on the struggle. Yes, uh, hang in there. Hang yeah. in there. Uh, I mean, and, we, and we'll get that to uh, we get to that later. But there's some of the reasons I I am running. I want to create a uh, just a, a better world for them. Um, I moved to the U.S. Mm-hmm. 26 years ago as an international student i went to college in the midwest where i met my wife i um uh, one of my most um proudest moments was the yeah the day i became an american citizen um here in this great city um that was about 5 6 years ago and i'm one of the uh, i like to believe i'm one of the few candidates out of the dozen of us that have been profoundly affected by the American dream. Um, I, I moved to this great city about 12 years ago. Um, I, um, I moved here because of opportunity and this city really chose, uh, this really city chose me. Okay. Yeah, it chose me. Yeah, what about it, Colorado Springs? Kind of, you know, was that uh, kind of deciding factor and, you know, really what uh, spoke out to you as far as saying the city chose you? Yeah, I, um, um, this, this may, this may sound a little bit weird, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I moved to the city initially as a pastor mm-hmm. and, um, I'm faith has always been important to me. Not in a, not in a way that, um, takes the Bible and slams it over people's head, but in a way that inspires me to do good. And, um, people talk about hearing God's voice. That's just never been me. But the day I moved to the city was, uh, could have sworn the only time I heard God's voice audibly, it said, welcome home, make this home. And I hit the ground running. I like many people. You move here and you see the beauty, the natural beauty of our landscape. Um, it's the same reason that caused our founder, General William um, Palmer, um, 150 years ago, to create a city from nowhere. He was inspired by the beauty and the greatness, and I too was inspired. And I, upon moving here, I decided to go to work and make this even more, even more home. Absolutely. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of your background as well. Business owner, founder of a nonprofit as well. And let's highlight some of those uh, kind of other accomplishments that's kind of gotten you up to this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's been an honor. I, I should mention that every vocational decision I have made in this great city has been to advance the well-being of our residents. And you see it from my time as a pastor, from my time as as a business owner, I started three businesses and I've been blessed to be able to provide jobs to um, many of our community resi- residents. I have had the opportunity to serve as an economic developer 
with the chamber in EDC in the city of Colorado Springs. And I've also, you mentioned a nonprofit, um, COS I Love You. It's a play on words. COS means Colorado Springs. And because I love you, uh, we have successfully um, united one of the hardest groups in our community to unite, which is the churches, diverse churches of our city, to serve the city. Yeah, it's uh, a great organization that uh, really is doing some really, you know, formative work here in Colorado yeah, Springs. Yeah, absolutely. In the area of homelessness, education, and in many other spaces in our community. What the problem I was trying to solve there was how do we, how do we um, deploy our most, one of our most untapped resources of our city and is our faith community. Um, many of our residents that, um, that prioritize faith in their lives and saying, but I just, but encouraging them to, uh, to, to know that faith inspires us to really love and serve this city. And we've been successful at being able to do that. And what is the biggest misconception that you've kind of come across as far as an entrepreneur as well as a nonprofit founder, kind of uh, getting those uh, different types of things up and on the ground? The biggest misconception in what way? As far as, you know, you always talk to somebody who thinks, oh, you know, I'm I'm done with the corporate rat race. I'm going to uh, strike out, start my own thing, whatever it be, you know, business, nonprofit. Oh, gotcha. But, you know, what, what are some of the uh, unexpected challenges that many people may not uh, kind of realize taking that path? Oh, gosh, it's hard work. Um, one of them is... Um, <laughs> And I'm smiling because my campaign manager is here, who's also a business owner. One of them is um, you you believe that working for yourself or being an entrepreneur means that you actually have more time. Okay. Or that, um, you know, I think there's there's a dream of being your own boss, which is great. That, that is part of the American way. Um, but you think that actually gives you more time. I think eventually you can get there, but starting a business is hard work. It is eighty hours. It's like it's like it's like running a campaign. It's like eighty hours a week. Oh, it's practice. morning. <laughs> yeah, no, really. I I would say that uh, the the pace of this season reminds me of when I was opening my first business in Colorado Springs. It's morning to night, burning both ends of the candle. Perfect. Well, we're continuing our conversation with Yemi Mobilade. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to transition to uh, why the uh, campaign for mayor and uh, some of those thoughts with that as we continue here on KRDO News Radio. Welcome to The Extra here on KRDO News Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers, continuing the uh, conversation with Yemi Mobilade, candidate for mayor of Colorado Springs. You know, we spent the uh, first part of the conversation with your background. So I guess uh, the next big question, and I'm sure you've been getting this a lot lately. Why run for Colorado Springs why mayor? Why run for Colorado Springs mayor? And that's a good question and one that I'm, I'm glad to answer. Um, Andrea, I, I talked about earlier that this city chose me and... It created this opportunity for me to, um, for me to start a business, mm-hmm. uh, purchase a home, uh, find community, grow a family. Um, this city has been good to me, but here's the reality: yeah. um, times are getting harder for many families in Colorado Springs. Um, the the stakes in this season of um, a political, socioeconomic climate. The stakes are much greater. And the same leadership that got us where we're at today, it's not the same leadership that will help us navigate the future. And so um, I really believe that um, our city is at an inflection point 
Mm-hmm. Um, and draw between uh, a proud history and a moldable future. We can continue being a city for the few, or we can evolve to become a city for the many. We can continue being a city for special interest groups, or we can become a city for the entire city. We can continue being a city that is just okay with status quo and just fine, or we can actually become great we can continue being a city that is um that just accepts the issues that we're we're faced with whether mm-hmm. it's on housing water homelessness or we can evolve to a city where we can get our hands dirty together and collaboratively and creatively actually work on the solutions to the challenges that many of our residents are facing we talked earlier that you know my experience being a business leader, uh, a pastor, an economic developer, a nonprofit founder. And these are the experiences that I will be bringing to the mayor's office to solve many of our challenges. Yeah, and when it comes to that, you know, you mentioned that uh, that background as well. What do you see as far as the big transition or, you know, maybe some key things that you did starting your businesses, nonprofits, even, you know, your role as a pastor as far as transitioning to that uh, administration piece within the uh, city as the mayor. Right. The the mayor's, the mayor's office is your mayor for all people. Your mayor for the entire city. You are the chief executive officer to run um, a really great team of people to deliver excellent services to all people. Um, um, I, I often say that um, I have to be a mayor for all people, residents who are pro-life, residents who are pro-choice. There's no such thing as a um, Democratic pothole or Republican pothole. I mean, it's all pothole that affects our quality of life. And you have to, the mayor has to first understand that. So being able to bring the experience from all three sectors, it's just a rare um a rare opportunity and experience for our city to have a leader who can, who not only understands the challenges of all three sectors, but has the ability to call to task leaders from all three sectors. Absolutely. And then of course, obviously this is really your first foray foray into a a political campaign, correct? Yes. And I'm super proud of that because here's the thing, like many Americans, we're tired of politics. Yeah. Um, I'm not a newcomer to executive leadership. Yeah. Um, my experience in this city and the work I've done in the city is very public. But I am proud that I am a newcomer to politics because I don't want to be a politician. I want to be a leader. And here's here's the real interesting thing, too. I'm actually, out of the dozen candidates that are running, I'm actually the only one with actual city government experience. I've been one of the 2,500 people that have actually worked in the inner workings of government. So I actually will be bringing that to the office because the people, the the colleagues I'm about to lead, I know who they are. I know their challenges and I'm able to lead them with my business experience and nonprofit experience um, yeah, to the next chapter of our city's history. Yeah, and talk a little bit about your time kind of working as a city employee. What did you kind of experience knowing that you were kind of that rank and file amongst that is knowing that you're going to take some of that experience right. <laughs> if elected into uh, the, the big corner office? No, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, actually, I actually enjoy that one because it shaped, it's really shaped even how I um, approach my can't, my can't, how I approach my leadership in a campaign trail. So um, 
one of the things I've learned in and being a one of the twenty five hundred um, city staff members is there can be a disconnect between the women and men on, on the front lines doing the job and leadership. I have experienced that firsthand, and I want to bridge that gap. And I will be a mayor that is going on ride along with the fire department and police department and public works and and understanding firsthand the challenges that our city is experiencing and then connect that to the leadership decisions that I will be making. Because as a staff member, I often also saw that disconnect. And let me tell you a little bit about actually what I did at the city for the last three years. I was in city economic development as the small business development administrator. I served as the first point of contact for small business inquiries and represent the mayor's office to the small business community and working on technologies to streamline the process of of doing business with the city. Perfect. And, you know, kind of knowing that uh, kind of experience, and we're going to talk more about uh, some of your thoughts as far as, you know, the big needs for Colorado Springs. But with that background, knowing, you know, small business, the the role it plays here as a small business owner yourself, you know, kind of explain a little bit about what you see as far as the role of small business as far as uh, continued economic growth here in the Springs. Absolutely. It's small. It's local. It's it's our greatest opportunity. Eighty percent of your job gains, any community's job gains come from local businesses. And we have to balance those efforts with attraction. I know attraction and bring in some of the the, the mm-hmm. bigger name companies like your Amazon, they have a role in our city and that's often sexy. But what I say is 80% of the people that are making your city and moving your city forward are the existing local business owners like, my, uh, like me here that are providing jobs and advancing the city, we have to encourage that because not only are they providing jobs and enhance um, uh, for our residents, they small businesses also they they're the ones that promote and encourage and create the character and the vibrancy of our city. And so these are the women and men that I fully intend to support, and in a way that government is not in the way, but actually moves them forward and actually supports them to grow and expand in our city. Absolutely. And, you know, you kind of touched on it as well, that that balance also knowing, too, that we have a very unique position here in Colorado Springs with a, a lot of uh, economic influence from Uncle Sam as well. How do we balance in that uh, kind of third element between, you know, large corporation, small business, right. and, of course, the federal government and the defense sector? Right, right. Absolutely. I um, I just want to mention that what's interesting about the phrase small business is most businesses in the city actually small businesses when you talk about size. Um, and so uh, we do, they, they're my number one. They're my people. Um, they're the, the, I can't wait to bring that level of attention and support to the mayor's office, to our many businesses in our community. Absolutely. Well, we have a quick break coming up. We have a check of our top local and national headlines as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Yemi Mobilati on the next side of this break. Again, if people want to get more information, uh, kind of in the meantime, the website, I believe, is Yemi for Mayor, correct? Right? Yemiformayor.com. Yemiformayor.com. All spelled out. Again, Yemiformayor.com. We're going to continue talking with Yemi Mobilati. Still ahead, this is the extra right here on KRDO News Radio. Welcome 
Back to KRDO News Radio's The Extra. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers, continuing our conversation with Yemi Mobilade. He is a candidate for mayor here in Colorado Springs. You know, we talked a lot about the background, your decision to run for mayor, and let's dive into some of the uh, big issues you see facing Colorado Springs. And I guess, what are some of the biggest issues you see facing the city right now as we move in towards the next term for whomever the mayor ends up being? Right. They, and Andrew, again, thank you for having me. The, the issues that are facing our city are, are similar. You're going to hear uh, um, from even from the other candidates. And I just want to make a, a clear contrast between my leadership and mm-hmm. my contenders. Um, I am happy that we all get the issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's safety, it's infrastructure and economic vitality. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk through those in, in a minute. But it's important for our listeners to know that um, it's not just the right ideas and what the issues are. It's how we are going to accomplish it. And that's what I want our listeners to really consider. So when it comes to issues around um, safety, we're talking about, yeah, protecting our families and keeping our neighborhoods safe. And I am also talking about our homeless crisis and the public safety realities around um, the our, the care for our residents and also um, caring for our homeless population. Number two, um, infrastructure. This one is on everyone's mind with with regards to growth 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 everyone is thinking about it water is on the top of our mind housing it's on the top of our mind and the top of my mind and those two issues actually keep me up at night and the third one economic vitality as we know inflation is high Um, wages are not keeping up with um, the cost of living in this city so we have to continue to ensure that we're caring for our workforce and we're creating a future-ready workforce as well as um, building a small business-friendly city. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, let's unpack some of you know each of those topics you uh, just brought up. Uh, right. Kind of starting with uh, the public safety aspect. We know uh, there's so many things that go into it as well. We you know uh, really even the – the kind of zeitgeist, the national kind of temperature right now uh, after the release of the video last week. What right. do you say as far as some of those conversations that should be had? Obviously, as mayor, you would be leading those policy decisions Absolutely. alongside Chief Vasquez. Right. So, you know, what should or you know needs to be done as far as ensuring the safety not only of our residents but our right. officers here in Colorado Springs? Oh, that's a, that's a great one. And this is um, so, Andrew. Going back to a comment I made earlier, mm-hmm. this is what I mean that. It's more than just the right ideas. It's the right leadership. Mm-hmm. So when you when you introduce safety, just that alone, it 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 is it's social, it's cultural, and it's political. And you need a different kind of leadership to address our the issues around public safety. Not just the rising crime that we're seeing in our city, but addressing our police shortage. And we need a leadership that, that I call the Abraham Lincoln way. Okay. I'm a student of Abraham Lincoln. I'm a fan of Abraham Lincoln. We share the same birthday. And which is coming up February 12th. So I expect the listeners to um, okay. tell we, me we'll happy mark birthday. That down. We'll, we'll, we'll get the cake on order. <laughs> yes, uh, February 12th. But what I mean by the Abraham Lincoln way is like it's a third way. And here's what I mean. So we have to address our police shortages. Our city is mm-hmm. still short about 70. And our city is growing. So we have to make sure we have that infrastructure ready to protect our families. I am a parent of three young kids, nine, five, and three. I mentioned that earlier. So it's on this top of my mind and how do we do that especially with the pressures around policing the challenges from memphis minneapolis and other cities 
have put pressures in our city too. In fact, many of our law enforcement officers would tell you it's actually brought about better policing and better tools and body cam and things that they want. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it's also made the jobs political and just harder to do the job. So people don't want, we don't have as many people wanting to become law enforcement officers. We have early retirement and we're having a hard time with retention. So it is my intent that we boost morale within the department and encourage folks to stay and support the men and women who love their job, who are, who do it because it's public service and it's a noble calling and understand the weight of the job and to support them and recognize them while at the same time we're ensuring that they are being equipped with the right training to deal with the new type of public safety challenges that we're having in our city today. Absolutely. You know, the second you mentioned was uh, addressing our homeless population as well. And I know for a number of years, that's always been, you know, kind of, uh, you know, dare I say, you know, kind of campaign talk that, you know, (laughs) we've got, we've got this issue, you know, everyone can see it. But as soon as, you know, the dust settles, the election canvassing is done and it gets put back to the back burner again. So how do you, you know, propose, you know, taking that new approach when it comes to uh, protecting those residents who are really, you know, some of the most vulnerable within the city, but also kind of ensuring, you know, the, you know, rule of law and things already in place. So good. And and I, and I want to mention my sadness around that perspective. I've heard that a lot. Um, Candidates make a lot of promise and then they get to the job and do nothing. Um, That's not me. I'm a very principled leader, um, and I hope to change that impression as well. But yeah, how do we how do we um, balance um, compassion to our homeless residents as well as uh, public safety concerns for many families in the city? Um, one of the things I know is uh, what's connected to and uh, what contributes to homelessness in our city is mental health challenges. Um, the Colorado Coalition for Homelessness two years ago said about 70% of homelessness in in the state of Colorado is related to mental health challenges. I have seen it firsthand in my ride-alongs with fire department and with police department. Over half of our calls had to do with our transient population, had to do with our homeless community. So we have to, first of all, understand that when we think about public safety, it's different. It's broad. Yes, it is the traditional crimes, but it's also the challenges many of our homeless residents are facing. So it's my intent as mayor to continue to collaborate and partner with the many social services in our city, the Homeward Pike Speak, Springs Rest Commission, of which I serve on the board, the place and many others. But here's where I'm going to um here's what I'm going to emphasize in those partnerships. I am there will be strings attached to the partnerships and the financial contributions from the city. And that is they must prioritize mental health care. Yeah. Because I know that's where a lot of the challenges are connected to. And then one of the other things that I'd like to do is is prioritize our street outreach from the government side. I know that Springs Rescue Mission and the place are increasing their services, but we have to be able to figure out a way to get our homeless neighbors to take advantage of those services. So with the homeless outreach program, with the homeless outreach team, we will increase our street outreach and train our government officials in behavioral health and mental health care to be able to guide our residents from homelessness 
to provide getting the necessary care that they need. Absolutely. And then again, the the last topics kind of all kind of filled into one as far as infrastructure, housing and, you know, water. And really, how do you balance that knowing that, you know, we do have a need for housing, but yet uh, really the only way to see part of it without, you know, major rehaul of zoning is that continued growth, which needs right. more water, which needs more infrastructure. So, I mean, how do you kind of address that kind of, you know, puzzle as far as making everything work cohesively? Absolutely. And that's another example of the Abraham Lincoln way. Often when we talk about our growth on challenges, mm-hmm. it's either or. It's either no growth or endless amount of growth. There is a third way, Andrew. Um, we have to, the reality is we are 12,000 units short of housing mm-hmm. in this community. This is why housing prices keep going up. Demand is high, supply is low. We have to fix that because that has great workforce implications. Um, and selfishly, I want my kids to be able to live in this community. There's literally people and seniors who can't live in this community. So we need more housing and not just more housing. We need more affordable and attainable housing. And I have ideas and plans for how we actually can increase that supply. Okay. On the other hand, we have a water challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't be ignorant and foolish and assume that water is this an endless resource that we have. We know it's limited. We know the Colorado River is drying up. So how do we balance the two, which is really important. So I, the conversations around uh, from city council, from the 128% of having uh, the surplus water supply before we take on any new annexation, there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in a starting place. There's wisdom in having a conversation. That is not the only solution. And this has to be done right for the future of our city, not because we're looking out for the interest of any one business, but because this is for Colorado Springs. So we must continue to add more homes, but we have to do it in a way that ensures that we have the infrastructure to build. So that's really important. We have to balance the the existing city demands with our future city demands. And that's what sustainable growth and intelligent growth gets us. Mm-hmm. And I know infrastructure as well. There's going to be, I believe, another town hall this weekend talking about that east-west corridor. Road There's expansion. A, at least, you know, expansion of, you know, constitution but you know that kind of highlights the larger issue as far as you know the lack of a good east-west thoroughfare right here in colorado springs and especially knowing that uh with you know limited infill our only options really to grow are you know somewhere to the south but mostly east because we're you know kind of capped off between mountains and military installations right. so how do we you know continue to look at that responsible but also knowing that we do need to provide you know a situation where we right. can effectively and you know safely not only for commuters but our law enforcement public responders to Absolutely. get across town across town yeah it's public safety it's fd it's pd um we have to ensure that infrastructure is intact too as we as we grow yes you've mentioned the east to west corridor and road expansion all those things are on my mind it's impossible to get from east to west i think the city is having the right conversation and the city is doing it well engaging our residents that is the type of leadership that i want to continue to inspire that we're listening public engagement public participation the problem with that conversation um i believe it's it's a little late i mean we're behind the curve but Mm -hmm. we're catching up um one of the residents um i we did door knocking in that neighborhood and as we're knocking on just about every door everyone was concerned about the Constitution Road expansion. One of the ladies um, that we spoke with had, actually had the most intriguing 
um, comment. She said, I believe in this project. It's necessary, but the challenge is it's already 50 years too late. Yeah. Our neighborhood is set. Our vibrancy is set. This, this feels like a threat. So we must continue to have these conversations. We must continue to listen to the city. And at the same time, as mayor, I need to fix those problems between the east and um, east and west um, connectivity. I just want to mention one last thing. My wife consistently says, and we have to figure out how to get the money. She goes, we need a loop. We need a loop that connects to I-25 that just connects all our all, um, connects us north and south, east and west. I'm not hearing that conversation. So I think... Uh, I think we I think we need to I think we need to explore that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we have to step aside for our final break. We're going to continue the conversation with Yemi Mobilati on the next side right here on Cardio News Radio. Welcome back to the Extra here on Cardio News Radio continuing our conversation with Yemi Mobilati, man uh, Really, you know, man of the people, as it sounds like right now, and uh, candidate. I for have mayor been called the right people's now. mayor. Yeah. by my supporters. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So as we're, you know, kind of wrapping this conversation up, we've talked about a lot of things, but I wanted to say, you know, is there anything in particular that uh, we may have missed out on that you want to make sure that uh, we do touch on today? Yeah, let's build off of the people's mayor, um, okay. Andrew. Is uh, I met a lady about six months ago at one of my businesses, and she asked me why I was running, and I told her, and she looked at me and she said, "Oh." You're the people's mayor. And I said, huh, that's interesting. What do you mean? She goes, you represent me. You you get my needs. Um, you're one of us. And that's the type of leadership that we need. And um, it was honoring to hear. It's who I've always been in this city. And I get to take that experience and my years of advancing the quality of life for our residents into the mayor's office. I I, th- I believe Colorado Springs deserves a leader who uniquely understands the challenges our residents are facing, who who actually has the experience and <laughs> the unbelievable amount of experts and talent on, around the table to actually solve our problems. So here's the thing I hear quite a bit. Yemi, can you do the job? Of course. And let me tell you why. Sometimes people actually even say, He's young, yeah. I am young. I'll be. I'm. I'll be 44 in less than two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so was John F. Kennedy when he became president. I think he was 42. So was um, Teddy Roosevelt. He was 43. John Southers was 40, 38 when he became the district attorney. So it's not about age. It's about experience. And if you want to know, Andrew, if you want to know what the future of our city, what your next, the leadership of your next mayor looks like, look at our campaign teams. They say how you do anything is how you do everything. So all 12 of us get to make promises. And what I encourage our listeners to do is do their homework. Look at not only our experience, but look at the type of campaign we're running. My campaign, I'm proud, is has just an unbelievable amount of talent from nonprofit leaders to senior business leaders to government leaders who are actually Working for me, my campaign has were were to the upwards of almost 500 donations from just about every single zip code and neighborhood in this city. And so when you look at about the future of our city, don't wait till whoever becomes mayor, just whoever has best ideas and the right ideas. Think about who has the best ideas and who has the leadership right now to guide our city into a great future. 
Absolutely yummy. We've got uh, about a minute left. So uh, kind of finally, if anyone wants to get more information about you, maybe reach out, get more information, or even get involved, what's the best way to do so? Yummyformayor.com. That's Y-E-M-I-F-O-R-M-A-Y-O-R.com. Has everything you need to know, my story, my policies, detailed policies, and what I'd like to accomplish. And we have a couple of meet and greets coming up. I'd love to invite the listeners to um, come here and check me out. If you're not quite sure, that would be a great place. Um, Thursday, uh, February 7th at FH Beer Works. And um, my birthday, I'm celebrating my birthday and Abraham Lincoln's birthday, February 11th. We'll do it a day early. Come also um, check me out. There will all the information is on the website, all our future events on the website and yeah, that's the best place. Perfect. That website again, yemiformair.com. We appreciate the uh, time. That does it here for the extra. We have the Tom Martino Show still ahead.